Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Indulge me this morning to have a conversation. I believe that God wants to speak to us today. Amen. And I, you know, in trying to prepare for this message, I really struggled with, first of all, okay, God, what are you saying? Second of all, how do you want it said? And, you know, I guess based on my professional background, when you're talking to people, you need to have slides. You need to. But somehow I felt like, you know, slides were not really appropriate for today. So pardon me if I seem a little off. I'm, I'm trying to adjust myself to what I believe God is doing. But God wants to have a conversation with us today. Amen. The Bible reading for today was um, from the book of Isaiah 7. And it was a story of how God gave the sign that Christ was going to be born of a virgin. That was the first time that it was recorded actually in the Bible that Mary, well, not, but that the mother of the Savior was actually going to be a virgin. It wasn't clear to mankind before that. Now, let me give you some more context to what was going on in Judea, um, Judea at the time. So, this, the, the king at the time was called Ahaz. And this guy, was from the house of David, meaning, you know, if you trace down his genealogy, at some point, David was one of his ancestors. So that means that he was a covenant child, if you will. Because of, um, you know, uh, his forefather's disobedience, the kingdom of Israel was split at that time. So there was a separate king of Israel, and then there was a separate king of Judea. But he was the king of Judea at the time. He became king at the young age of 20. But he was only king for 16 years. And you probably, when we talk a little bit more about what the kind of life this guy lived, you realize maybe why God took him, <laughs> took him early. He was definitely not like David. If anything, he was so far away from that. But, you know, as we talk through what God is trying to get to us today, one thing I want to indulge, please, you know, just don't hold fast to maybe what you've always assumed about God. Because sometimes what we think we know about God is a limitation to where God wants to take us. Amen. So, it happens that Ahaz was, um, was king of Israel. At the time, you know, there was a lot of warring going on. Um, two neighboring countries or states at the time, Damascus and Israel, were all trying to overcome Judah. 
And you can imagine what it was like to be a citizen in Judah at the time. People were freaking out. You know, these two kings are going to, you know, come, come get us. There was a bigger kingdom of Syria back then, and that king was equally dreadful. And so he had these two people right next to him, but then there was Syria as well. Everybody on every side, you know, wanting to take over Judah. But what would happen is, actually, more, more, more background on, on Ahaz. So Ahaz was the kind of guy who, I mean, he was so terrible that he offered his children, like literally burnt his children through in fire. I mean, that was how crazy this guy was. He was, <laughs> he was um, you know, he would go out to other lands, see what, how they worship, you know, Meanwhile, this is somebody who was a descendant of David. He would go out and figure out all the new practices, all the demonic worship and stuff that they do, and then he would come back and say, you know what, let's change the temple around. So he, he changed the settings in the temple to fit what he saw in these other countries. So you can imagine how distasteful that was to God. But God is a merciful God. You know, when I was reading this, I was like, wow. In spite of all of what this guy had done, God still sent the prophet to him. And God still said, ask of me a sign. I mean, this was, a, by our own um, estimation, this is somebody that God should have just wiped out, right? <laughs> I mean, get the next guy in there, please. But somehow, perhaps because it was of the house of David, God was still merciful enough. And that's why, you know, it says in um, verse 10, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign. Whether it is in the deepest depths or in the highest heights, this was essentially a blank check God was giving this guy. In spite of how wicked he was, God was, saying, God was also reminding him that he is his God. And guess what was Ahaz's um, his response? He said, no, I will not ask God. Ah, I won't put the Lord God to test. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> He's trying to be more holy than God. But of course, God knew he was doing it not out of real, uh, uh, you know, pay, uh, real holiness. He was doing it out of, you know, wickedness. But in spite of his response, God still went ahead to give him the sign. Isn't God merciful? And there we go into where he now says, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of God as well? And I believe God is speaking to someone today. And God is reminding you and saying, will you continue to try my patience? I have asked you, I have told you to ask of me a sign. Yet you are resisting. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive 
and give birth to a son. And we'll call him Emmanuel. This was probably the most profound prophetic revelation that could have been given. And it was presented to this guy who was completely wicked. Somebody whom you and I will, I mean, he doesn't deserve a seat in church. God sees things differently than we see things. Amen? He says he will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. Who are we to judge the person sitting next to us? You have no idea. And we need to be humble. As they say, there will be a lot of surprises in heaven. There will be a lot of surprises. Because certain people that you've already, you've said, this one, no way. They might be the one to welcome you there. Hopefully, we all get there, right? <laughs> How many people want to get to heaven? <laughs> Not everybody raised up their hand. Wow. Where, what plans do you have? <laughs> Where are you trying to go? <laughs> As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. God is speaking to someone today, and he's saying that even though you, have, you feel that this is the darkest period of your life, and in fact, I heard that you literally said in your heart, this is the darkest period of my life. God is saying to you today that he's still speaking to you. I don't know who you are, but I know that you are in this place, in this, in this auditorium. And God is saying, I have been sending you signs. I have been sending you signs. Please, let us not, let, let us not get caught up in the spirit of Ahaz, the religious spirit that resists God. Right? Even, was it not Paul that even said, having a form of religion, but denying the power thereof. God is more interested in relationship with us than in us having religion. Amen? Has God changed? The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, Today and forever. The same God that was merciful enough to reach out to Ahaz is the same God that is trying to reach out to us today. You see, God takes no glory when he is having a hard time communicating with us. It is to his glory that we can understand what he's trying to say. That said, God, you know, the Bible, a lot of things may seem like mystery, but when you put them together, when when the Spirit of God breathes life upon his word, things become clearer. And you realize that God is actually very, God is completely prophetic in everything he does. God is so complex. And so, I mean, that, let me try to, let me use this analogy to, to describe God sometimes. Those of us who have children or maybe you have younger, you know, siblings around you. You know, adults can be having a conversation 
and children are there observing that conversation, and they, underst- they think they understand the conversation because they are hearing the word, but something completely different is what's being said. Uh, uh, is someone getting what I'm saying? You might be talking, maybe between man and wife, I could be telling my wife, you know, please take this and, you know, um, we could use that, you know, please, can we go to such and such place? She, because of the relationship and the intimacy, she understands what I really mean to say. The kids may hear that and just assume that, oh, it means something else. That is the way it is with God. When God is speaking, a lot of times, we, if we are not careful, we, we miss the essence of what he's saying. Or we, are not, we don't have enough understanding or revelation to really grasp the entirety of what God is saying. That was the story of Ahaz here, right? Anybody else who heard that message being delivered by Isaiah, they completely missed the fact that the plan of redemption was just told in that prophecy. The fact that a virgin was going to give birth to the Savior and that his name was going to be called Emmanuel. The Bible says in um, Proverbs 4.25 that it is to God's glory to conceal a thing. Amen? But it is a king's glory to search it out. How many of us are kings? I am a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are kings. Amen? So God is speaking to us. He's always speaking to us in codes. And the challenge for us as children of God is to understand the code language God is using for us so that you can truly get what he's trying to say. If we may use the example, I think um, this was uh, Bill Johnson used this example one time. Uh, it's one, you know, prophet of uh, man of God that I really respect and follow. And he said, if you think about Easter period, we have um, the children have this you know, Easter egg uh, exercise they, they, they typically do, right? He said, okay, we parents or grandparents, maybe the grandparents are more excited about Easter egg on than the parents. <laughs> but the grandparents are like, they want to hide an Easter egg and they put it right there on the table. <laughs> you do that when you are dealing with like um, a one-year-old. You hide it by putting it right there on the table. If you are dealing with a, like my nine-year-old, I wouldn't hide some. If I did, he would be like, come on, I mean, dad, come on, dad. What? You, do, you put in a little bit more effort. And then if it's maybe a 12-year-old, you would obviously adjust what you are trying to do, right? At some point, they, they tell you this whole Easter egg thing is not even... <laughs> I'm too grown for that. God plays hide and seek with us. That's why he says that, you know, we should be like little children. There's a certain quality that children have. 
that God is reminding us of that in our relationship with him, he wants us to be curious. He wants us to enjoy the back and forth with him. He wants to engage us. And this is another word for at least one person here. God is saying that he needs you to break out of the mindset that your primary communication from God is from the pulpit. That is not how God intended this to be. What you hear from the pulpit is, is, author, I mean, is, is, is God's word to you, but it should not be the primary means of your communication with God. That is why the veil was torn when Jesus died on the cross. You can't continue living Old Testament way. Jesus paid too high a price for us to have a direct communication with him. What is the point, right? The way they operated back in the Old Testament was that the prophets, Moses, and all those people, the people who were cool with God, who could go closer, would go and hear the word and then come and break it down for people, right? The New Testament model, is, diff- is n- that's not it. What you hear in the pulpit is more corporate, right? It's more the body of Christ. But as far as the personal direction for your life, that is something that you should be hearing directly from God because you are seated with Christ in what? Heavenly places. Unfortunately, what God is saying is that many of us want to communicate with him using the language he has assigned for somebody else. We are acting the same way the people are acting with Moses. are like, Moses, you know what? You just go. You know, when you come back, uh-huh, you can break it down for us. And God says, all of you, he said, can we use this as a, as a sign? He says, everyone speaks in tongues, but everyone does not speak the same tongue. Have you ever seen somebody that speaks the same tongue as you? For those of us who pray in the Spirit. It means that the way God wants to relate with you is different from the way he wants to relate to somebody else. Why? Because he knows you intricately. He knows you intimately. Praise the Lord. And so, you know, if we use some examples in the Bible, God has been displaying certain signs for us. And this is a key part of this message today. God needs us to to get on board with. Moses saw a burning bush. It was something unusual, something strange, right? Thank God for Moses, he had the right reaction. He stopped, and immediately he discerned that this was God. He could have had a different reaction. He could have run away. He could have been scared. And God is saying that perhaps it's not a burning bush, but I have been trying to get your attention with different things. In this age in which we are in, there's going to be a massive outpouring of God's spirit. The world is going to become much more spiritual than we have ever witnessed before. If you doubt, (laughs) anyway, we're all here.
excuse me. Like, um, you know, John, um, Brother John was reminding us this morning when he was leading prayer. He says, God cannot lie. It is impossible for him to lie. Even if he tried to lie, by the time you go and verify the lie, you realize that it is actually true. This same God then also said that in the last days, he will pour out his spirit on what? On all flesh. If you are doubting how quickly things can change in the world, we take a lot of things for granted. And we assume that, you know what, all those things that are in the book of Revelation, they seem too exotic. They seem too, too many of us don't even read Revelation. You know, our Bible stops. <laughs> eh? We take it through Paul, all the Pauline letters, and they were like, ah, you know what, the rest. Mm. We assume that maybe some of these things cannot happen. May God help us. God is trying to get our attention. He's saying perhaps some people within, some of the people within the congregation, God has been speaking to you through your dreams. You have dreams you can't understand. It's not because somebody is chasing you. <laughs> it's not because, you know, there's, a, it's not because there's demonic activity in your life. God is just trying to get your attention. You see, he's doing that to sort of tease you, right? He wants you to come to him to ask for what does this mean so that he can progress you to the next level. Some people, maybe you'll see numbers and you think you're running crazy. You see, the number is not what is important. Oh, I always see, you know, two, 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 two. Ah, you know, does it mean I should go and play lotto with <laughs> Is God trying to tell me that, um, you know, somebody's going to give me $2,222? It could be, but more likely than not, what God is actually trying to do is he's trying to get your attention. By the time you now engage, God, please help me understand this. By the time you go through that process, you would have matured into a higher level of hearing, which is really what God is interested in. Praise the Lord. Okay, we'll move on to the next part. God with us, what does it mean? That Emmanuel, that name was very prophetic because God was trying to, God was just giving us a a taste of what was to come. Moses was somebody who was described as one of the most, he he was said to be the most humble man on earth. In his time, I think the reason why he was described as being humble was that he understood that he could do nothing by his own power and might, that it was all attributable to God. And that's why he said, if you don't go with us, we won't go. Because he knew that with God, you are a majority. Without God, you are toast. Amen. Now, Moses did something that, you know, as a, as a young Christian back then, I used to wonder. He, he asked God to, sh- to reveal himself. And God, and the Bible says in Exodus, um, Exodus 34, actually in 33, 18 is where Moses asked, God, I want to see you. 
And then in Exodus 34, 6 and 7, we can actually quickly read that. Hallelujah. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. Okay, actually, let me start from 5. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents of the third and fourth generation. You know, the imagery I used to have was like, wow. I mean, how I so wish I could have seen that. You know, he says that he couldn't see God's front side, but he saw the back side, and God hid him in a rock. But recently, as, as I was preparing for this message, I had a, what I believe is a deeper revelation of what really happened there. You see, it wasn't when God was showing Moses his glory. What God was, what, what really God considered to be his glory was what he declared. I had missed it all along. I was focusing on, oh my God, it must have been, the clouds, I mean, it must have been really so wonderful. Who knows what he would have, you know, what was in the clouds that night. But no, we, we, we are missing the point. The glory of God that he was proclaiming was the fact that he is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That is what God considers to be his glory. In other words, God operating in your life, God revealing himself to you, God showing himself as your savior, as your Lord, as your provider, that for him is glory. It's not, that, that's, why, that's why the angels can't even understand. They're like, what is man that you are mindful of him? If it is beauty... We are not, I mean, there are a lot of beautiful beings in heaven. If it is size, there are a lot of bigger creations of God. But there's something about man that we can't understand. That God has just designed that we are the ones that are going to be the beneficiaries of his glory. Amen. But the reason why God reveals his glory is so that we have an opportunity to be changed by his glory. Amen. The reason why, I'm going to repeat that, the reason why God reveals his glory is because he wants you to be transformed by that glory. If you are in doubt, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, this was one of the problems that God had with Moses. So God had declared himself, right, to Moses. Moses had seen God's glory. But Moses was still impatient with God's people. In his anger with the people of God, in his impatience, he was supposed to... He hit the rock twice, right? And God said, you will not go into the promised land. Can you imagine? 
because God had revealed his glory to him. God had defined himself to, to him as somebody who is slow to anger, who is compassionate. And somehow Moses seemed to forget that when he was dealing with God's people. How has God revealed himself to you? If he revealed himself to you as your deliverer, have you really glorified him as your deliverer? How many people have you told about when he delivered you? That is how we glorify God. If he has revealed himself to you as your healer, how many people have you told that God healed you? When he says that his glory will fill the earth, that is what he means. That everybody will be talking about what God has done. That is what happens in heaven. They are constantly talking about, oh man, God is just so good. He did This one is like, oh no, 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 he did this, he did That is how God designed it to be. God is calling us to deeper intimacy with him. Amen. He's calling us to be more attentive to what he's saying. He's calling us to be mindful of the signs that he is giving. The Bible says, Concerning Jesus, in Acts 10.38, it says that how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, because God was with him. Does that sound familiar? Emmanuel. God is with us. If God is with us, the same experience that Jesus Christ had is the same experience God wants to replicate in us. So we are now going to say it, inserting our own names, and we are going to declare it prophetically. How God anointed me, I did wrote to me, I did it, with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how I will go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. Because God is with me. Hallelujah. And if each of us can do this, can you imagine how much havoc we will cause to the kingdom of the enemy? If only the people in this room went about fulfilling this scripture, do you know how many people will be healed? Do you know how many people who are oppressed will be delivered? Do you know how many, how much glory would God get if all of us would simply see the actualization of this scripture today? That is what Christ is calling us to. He's calling us to, to remember that he gave himself, he gave, his, he gave us his name, Emmanuel, for a reason. This was before you were even born. He already had you in mind. He already had it figured out. He already gave himself. He knew that, you know what? On this day, 19th of November, you're going to be seated in Agape House of Worship. You're going to hear this word. And you're going to be reminded that he is with you. 
but he is with you for a reason. Let us not waste the grace of God. Hallelujah. So we're going to go into a time of just, you know, uh, just inviting the presence of God again. I believe that he, he has, you know, one or two more things to say to, to, to us. I'm going to ask the choir to come up again. And I want to give a chance for people to, you know, reestablish or reconnect with God. Perhaps you are one of those people who God has been trying to reach. He's been laying signs for you to see. You just know that there's something. You know, you've, you've, been, you've, been, you've been back and forth. There's no need to, to, to fight with God. Just let go. Amen. Because the Bible says, woe to him that strives with his maker. Are you going to fight God? I want to give a chance for people to rededicate themselves to the Father. We're going to sing that song, Emmanuel, again, but starting with the verse where we are rededicating ourselves to God, reminding him that the purpose for which we are born was to be his dwelling place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I was born to be your dwelling. Please let's be in an attitude of prayer. If you want to make that a decision, feel free to come out to the altar in the presence of the Almighty God. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, today is an opportunity for you. If you've never heard God speak to you, but you want Him to speak to you, you want to have a relationship with him why don't you take a step of faith and come forward take that step and come forward he is your father the veil has been torn amen yes lord lord
Father. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God is still here. And because He's a loving God, you know, He's always speaking to His children. Some of us even who are, you know, dull of hearing, because He's a compassionate God, He will still speak. Because He would rather you hear Him than you don't. Thank you, Father. The Lord is just speaking about what He is doing in our midst. He's speaking. Hallelujah. I believe there's someone here. If you have a relative who recently just um, has been seeing lesions on their on their skin, like growth lesions. And there's concern that it might be cancerous. And the Lord is saying that tell them not to fear. Because he is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. And whoever that is, they ought to go, they ought to go back for a second opinion. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The Lord is saying that even as I'm asking to reconcile, for you to be reconciled to me, He's saying that there are people here who need who need reconciliation with their earthly fathers. And the Lord is saying that he's making grace available for that reconciliation. He's making grace available for that reconciliation. He says, but you must take a step because faith without works is dead. You must make a step. Perhaps you are estranged. You haven't spoken to your father in years. He says you need to take a step of faith and make that phone call. Make that phone call. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you are doing. Father, we just ask, Lord, that you just continue to speak to us clearly, O oh God. Help us to hear everything that you have for us, Lord. If there's anybody here who is just seeking to reconnect themselves, or perhaps you have not given your life to Christ, there is no need to delay because you have no power over tomorrow. And let's just be respectful and let's just bow our heads. Perhaps if you, if you are looking to you know, make that, you are not sure of your salvation. You are not sure that your name is written in the book of life. Why don't you use this opportunity to reach out to him? And just ask that he take you as Receive Christ as your Lord and Savior again today. The Bible says that He's full of mercy. His mercies are new every morning. And He came to pay the ultimate price so that you don't have to. You don't have to face eternal damnation. Why don't you join me in this prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, 
I am a sinner. But I receive Christ as my Lord and Savior today. I reject and I repent of every sin in my life. And I'm asking that from today on, you will be my Lord and Savior. You'll be my King. You'll be my Lord. You'll be my Director. I'm asking that from this day forward, my life will glorify you. So that on the day of judgment, I will join, I will be received into your eternal paradise. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah.